Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop, bringing you another edition of our 2021 CFL season deep dive series. This time we're talking all things Calgary Stampeders. Before I bring in our guest of honor for this evening, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, I want to acknowledge that this episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty One Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree. Ojakri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Now let's welcome in our guest to talk all things Stampeders from the Horseman Radio podcast over in Calgary. I'm pleased to be joined this evening by Steph. Steph, welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening? Hello, it's it's nice to meet some new uh, podcast folks. I uh, I haven't been doing this very long, so haven't haven't met as many as I'd like yet. Yes, of course. Lots of great people from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network and a great opportunity to meet uh, yourself for the first time here. Happy to have you here on the show. Of course, new addition uh, to the Horseman Radio Podcast in the the last couple of years, I believe, or was this the first one? Uh, So I was a guest in 2019 a couple times and then a little bit of a shift happened with who wanted to continue and who was in and who was out. And um, so I guess they technically asked me to join full-time at Grey Cup 2019, which, you know, was a great time. <laughs> we had scheduled our 2020 the preseason and uh, that never happened. Oh, no. Yeah, everything pretty much got shut down right after that. So I think we did a couple episodes. Um, We definitely like to do ours in person. (laughs) Pandemic is a little bit harder with that. So yeah, yeah, so it's been, I got, you know, a shortened season and excited to be back for hopefully, I I have high hopes for this season to be a full season and looking forward to it right on right on well we're gonna get talking uh, into talking about the 2021 stampede season which feels like forever ago at this point by the way i mean we're we're into march when yeah when the when we started this deep dive series it was the start of january thinking you know okay we can probably get through this into february like early february fresh in everyone's mind well, free agency came along. We planned an eight-hour free agency live show that took about two weeks of, uh, of planning. And uh, now we're bringing the series back here today. Uh, and uh, double trouble this week, two episodes of this series. We'll have another one talking Ottawa Red Blacks with Rod Via Gomez from the Wood Cookie Sawcast later this week. So look forward to that as well. Uh, but before we get into talking about the stamp season, uh, how did you first get into the CFL and the stamp eaters? So, um... My parents were always a football family, you know, kind of ironic being in Calgary and everyone is a Flames fan. And my parents said, we like football. (laughs) So they started bringing me to games. Like the first one that I can remember, I think I was about five and uh, Doug Flutie was on the team and my mom took us to meet him. And I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. Um. So I've always been a football fan and football has always been very, very central to family to me. Um, And then started going to games with my boyfriend, now husband, (laughs) Um, 
And the more that we watched it together, the more I learned about the game, the more I enjoyed it. And we started um, traveling to different stadiums and we met fans in Ottawa that said, come hang out with us. So first Stamps game 2014, we went to and met a bunch of Stamps fans and it's grown insanely from there. I've learned so much in, I mean, if it's been a while now, but still fairly new in my fandom, still fairly new in my knowledge, but um, yeah, being a fan of the Stamps forever. That's awesome. I love hearing people's stories, how they first got in the CFL and especially getting to travel to different stadiums. You know, that's something I've never done myself. I, I've been, I've been to the games here in Winnipeg where we're located, but uh, maybe, maybe a bucket list thing one day to get out to some of those other stadiums. And of course you mentioned meeting a lot of the other great members from around the CFL family. Uh, it really feels like a community, the CFL. And I, I think that's honestly one of the best parts of it. You know, it's crazy that going to Grey Cup in like three, four years went from knowing almost no one to it feeling like a big family reunion. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. And everyone is so awesome and welcoming and you don't have to know all the plays. You don't have to know all the players. You don't have to know the history of the entire league or even the history of your entire team. It's, take you as you are and we welcome you. And as long as you love the game, we love you. So I, we're so lucky. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't say it better myself. Like the CFL in general is uh, I think the most accessible from the players and the coaches, et cetera, standpoint of things. I know on your show over on Horseman radio, you've had the, you've had a number of players, you know, come into the studio there and join you for podcasts, uh, which, which has always been great listens there. So uh, both, you know, being able to uh, interact with other fans, interact with the players, the mm. coaches, et cetera. Like it doesn't get better in terms of a sports league, in my opinion, than the CFL. Uh, the 2020 season, as we mentioned, didn't happen, unfortunately, but uh, came back strong with a shortened 2021 season uh, that the, the Calgary St. Peters, of course, were a part of. Um, we're going to go into, as we normally do kind of talking about, you know, beginning, middle, end of the season and how, how the season progressed for Calgary. I, I think maybe a bit of a unique, uh, in the past decade or so season for Calgary, where it seemed like there were some actual downs along the way instead of just ups nonstop. Um, but I, I'm curious to know what your preseason expectations for the Stampeders are, because, uh, you know, the tradition of Horseman Radio uh, hosts is to, uh, especially ones that share a similar name to myself, uh, is to, you know, predict your team go 18-0. And as we talked about uh, with the great Ryan Ballantyne on our free agency show, even in a 14-game season, uh, you go 18-0. But uh, do you share the same preseason expectations or what were you thinking coming into this year? Honestly, my expectations were zero. Like I didn't, obviously I didn't think that they would lose every game. Um, it is the CFL. Most teams make the playoffs. So there's always that like, well, no, they'll, they'll make the playoffs. But that was as high as my bar went last year. Um, I don't think you could look at how many people we had lost and seeing the age and just how young the team was, especially our starters, 
and how many new starters that there would be and say like, no, we're going 18 and 0 when we didn't play 18 games. <laughs> That's beside the point. Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to see a season and I wanted to see growth. And so, you know, there's always that interesting thing with the organization if Bo's on the field, you always feel like you have a chance to win. So you're kind of like, well, you know, if he's healthy, a double digit win shouldn't be out of the realm, but you know, it's going to be slow. You just want to, you want to make the playoff. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I, you know, I was kind of the same way. I wasn't expecting anything spectacular out of the Stampeders preseason, but it was kind of, I'd have to go back and listen to our preseason show, but I'm guessing, if I'm remembering correctly, I think I had said something along the lines of, well, the West is going to be a dog fight. It's going to be, you know, a mishmash of one, two wins are going to be the difference. And I think I had Calgary as the the, the first place team in the West, just based on track record of if you can't pick a team out of a hat, you pick, if you're going to pick teams out of a hat, you pick Calgary first based on the past decade of results where they often finish first. Uh, but certainly it was not necessarily the expectations of the seasons we've seen in the past, you know, where the, where the stamps are going, you know, what 14 and four in an 18 game season, you know, uh, something like that. It was more kind of in that uh, a bit above five, a couple games above 500 range for myself. I mean, the fact that you would say first is actually really impressive because most people, I feel like, had the stamps last. Really interesting. <laughs> I, I think I think part of that is just hopeful, right? I think that's eight other fan bases around the CFL just waiting for that moment for Calgary to fall, and we get there every single preseason. And I, I often do the same thing. I'm like, this is going to be the year. Or I think Mike and I here on the show. Uh, maybe we're, we're kind of the opposite size of that every year. I think he's saying, you know, this is going to be the year they fall. And I'm like, I'm putting them first till they show me they do. You know, I, I, I didn't have them first. I thought Winnipeg just because of how many people they brought back, mm. like they brought back essentially their entire roster Yeah, from a great nice. cup winning team after not playing after a weird off season, double off season, like the amount that they brought back, you, you couldn't discount Winnipeg. I didn't see Edmonton on paper as high as so many other people seem to. Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Begrudgingly, I always think that Saskatchewan lately with their new staff, I mean, they do have a Dickinson, are going to be somewhere in there. Right. So, I mean, second, third, I thought it might be a fight. I mean, it was a fight. But I do remember my bold prediction for the entire season was that the league would play all games. Yeah, that was pretty close. Well, actually, we hit it, technically. They did. Yeah. Edmonton tried. <laughs> <laughs> but my bold prediction was that we would actually get all games played, and I can thankfully say that I was right. Leave it to the, leave it to the Alberta rivals to try to mess up a Stamps fan's uh, preseason course, predictions. Of course. But- but what uh, they do. Yeah, they managed to get every game in. All teams played 14 games, a couple less than normal. A eight and an eight and six finish on the season for Calgary. They do finish third in the West. Uh, get that uh, road playoff game to Saskatchewan, which unfortunately did not go their way. We'll we'll kind of go through 
the sections of the season here. And it, it kind of felt like for a while, a tale of two seasons for, for Calgary, because the first couple of weeks of the year to me, uh, to a lot of people, I think were a big shock where, you know, the season started uh, 0-2, a 23-20 loss to Toronto in week one. That was a real close game. And I think a lot of people uh, coming out of that one were maybe more so impressed with Toronto all of a sudden pulling out a week one win than, than Calgary taking a step back. Then a tough, uh, low-scoring game against BC in week two. And that's when Bo Levi Mitchell goes down with his injury there early in the season. Now we're leaning on, we think Michael O'Connor coming into week three, but ends up being Jake Mayer who takes over uh, and plays the next three games and looks fantastic and throws for 300 yards and sets some CFL or team records along the way in those first couple of games, a couple of losses in there as well. Uh, but if you look at the first five weeks as a whole, uh, what is it? I, th- I think one I win in there. Yeah, yeah, I think they went one and five, which is the first time since the 90s, if I'm right, maybe early 2000s. But um, look, I am the first to admit it has been a really easy time being a Stamps fan. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Toronto had a lot of Stampeders. <laughs> Basically 90%, yeah. It's growing by the day. You know, they actually let a bunch go. So we had more, they had more Stampeders last year than they did this year. Hmm. But I think that they also have more on their staff now. Hmm. So, you know, I was, we didn't have preseason. Bo was coming off a year where he was injured and rehabbing and had shoulder surgery. So you knew that the first few games were going to be rough. We also had a lot of new starters. So you're kind of like, I mean, should we have won a couple of those? Probably. Is it really weird to be a Stamps fan and not win the games that are close? Very. Um, and then it came out that Bo had broken his leg. And you're like, well, I have zero expectations. Um, one thing that I will say about me is I am the cheerleader for Canadian quarterbacks. Um but I didn't actually think it was going to be O'Connor because Dave is usually very good at saying yes or no. And he never actually came out and said, yes, Mm -hmm. he said it's a competition. And so in my mind, I'm thinking it's going to be mayor. Right. We also have really good media who's on top of it and everyone's saying it's O'Connor. It's O'Connor. And our media, Danny Austin, saying they haven't said that. They haven't said it. They've said it's a competition from the very start. And you're like, the fact that they're not saying it makes me feel like they're going the other way. Yeah. And if we learned anything early this season, CFL depth charts mean (laughs) nothing. So uh, just because a guy's number two on the depth chart when the starter goes down does not necessarily mean he's starting the next week as we we came to learn a couple of times throughout this season. Yeah. I would have liked to see what O'Connor could do because I, I did get to watch him a decent amount as um, a Thunderbird at McMahon with the Dinos. So I'm maybe not as high on O'Connor as some other people, but he is still a good enough quarterback to make it into the CFL. And so I was, all right, let's, let's, let's see what he can do. So 
when he didn't come out, I was a little bit disappointed. But Jake impressed me. Maybe not as high on him as a lot of other people are. But I will say they did open up a full playbook. They had some really fun fake plays. Brand new quarterback. No experience. I had didn't expect him to win anything. So the fact that he won one, I, I guess, is good. And, you know, Stamps came out, both Dave and Huff said, give us half a season. It's going to be a little rough. I think they would have liked to have won, a, you know, one or two of those in there. Never like to start with one win in five, six games. Not ideal. Not ideal. Especially, you know, anyone who says season starts at Labor Day in a normal season, obviously. You know, those first wins meet, or first games and the wins that you get in those mean just as much as if you're winning at the end. So mm-hmm. it was a little rough, but I figured I was hopeful that if Bo could come back, we'd do okay. Yeah, he goes down after that week two game or during that game, I think, and you're thinking broken leg. And I think he went on the six game injury list. And then two weeks later, it's okay, Bo's practicing, he's ready to go. And it's kind of like, who's his doctor and what's, what's the doctor's phone number next time I have an injury because it's magic. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's funny cause they say broken leg, but it was a fibial fracture. So the, not your front bone and their backbone and it was in place. So there was no shifting. So you say broken leg and you think, Oh God, like that's a couple months, right? But it was a fracture. I mean, it is still broken. I'm not, discounting but it was incredible that he came back (laughs) missing three games with a broken leg is really impressive but I mean it wasn't quite as bad as people made it sound yeah so Jake Mayer takes over as the starter for three weeks there and I think if I'm remembering that game against Montreal the third week correctly I think he started that game a little rough had a couple interceptions Mm -hmm. early on in that game and Mm -hmm. then late in the game all of a sudden it was like a tale of two halves. He started, you know, putting it together. They get the late game win. I think Montreal's close to the goal line at the end of that one. Uh, but the Stamps pull out their first win of the season there. Then they have to go into Winnipeg, who defensively, like that's a tall task for Jake Mayer going into the, his second career start against that Bombers defense. And I was at that game here in Winnipeg watching it, and I was like, it was the general perception of – how did the Stamps do it again? Like they found another backup quarterback that of course is going to step in and light the team up and, you know, goes a hundred percent passing in the first half. And and like you said, a lot of those plays, it was not just a vanilla playbook either. He was making a lot of nice plays on the run and not a a lot of nice, you know, heads up, like you need 10 yards. Okay. He's going to throw it right to the sideline, 10 yards and a couple hairs and, uh, to get the first down and it was a very impressive game although he didn't get the win there um a, a couple good yeah yeah so close right <laughs> at the end of that one I think it came down to that last field goal it um, did, yeah. and, and so things are looking decent there where even if Bo is out for a longer time at that point you know you have a good quarterback here it seems in mayor in those first couple of weeks and you certainly like there is some level of confidence in there that uh, I, I think in, you know, some people's minds, probably not fair given, you know, the track record history, but 
but uh, in the back of minds, it's always going to come up quarterback controversy, right? You know, Bo is struggling, Bo's injured, Mayer's playing well, but uh, of course, then Bo comes back in as soon as he's back in with the kind of A, with your track record, B, with the salary you're making. Like, that's no question. And I think the comment was, is there's just a different swagger when Bo is in the huddle. And you know, I did say it before, if Bo is in the game, there's always a chance to win. Now, I don't know that he was fully healthy. I think his leg was healed enough to play. I'm not saying that they're putting him in a bad situation. I'm not because there was there was talk of that, that he wasn't fully healed and such and whatnot. Bo is the only quarterback in Stampeder history to win two Grey Cups. There's no way that if he can't play that he's sitting. Yeah. Like, there's just not. So the people who wanted to say controversy just wanted to stir the pot. It's, ne- it's never going to happen. Oh, yeah. No, I, and, and but, like, I, I, I'm a big Mayer fan. Like, I, I, I loved what I saw from him in those three games. And sure, I would have liked to see him play more, but also with the, the, seeing the other side of things, there's just no way it's going to happen. As long as Bo Levi Mitchell is in a Stampeders uniform, right? So, no, and I was I was very impressed with Mayor. I think he handled himself well. I think he's also just really young. And I think, I mean, skipping ahead, him coming back was the smartest thing to do. Give him some time to grow. Give him some more time to learn. And he could be an amazing quarterback in this league. But I don't think he's a starter yet. He was pushed into that role a little early and did admirably. I was impressed. Would have liked to see a couple more wins, but yeah. we all. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, he's kind of in that role of the Calgary backup quarterback is the most popular quarterback in the CFL, it seems, right? Because uh it's been a number of them that uh oh they get a bit of playing time. Oh, they look fantastic. Hey, everybody wants them. Nick Arbuckle being the most recent one. Of yep. course, who ended up going to, oh boy, Ottawa, but then Toronto, but then uh, Edmonton, but and then now off to Edmonton, and seemingly will start there. Although who knows, given Chris Jones, but um, <laughs> no one knows. Uh, yeah, I but, don't think so, Chris Jones knows. No, I don't think so either. Might be Deron Carter for all we know. You uh, <laughs> wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> uh, but uh, I like that move from Mayer as well. You know, you've got one of the best quarterbacks in CFL history, I would say, uh, as your mentor in front of you. Also, another one of the best quarterbacks in Dave Dickinson as your coach. Mm-hmm. Like, what better system to learn from going forward? I, I, I approve of, you know, taking another year in a backup role. Maybe Bo's injury history comes up on him. So maybe you get a couple starts in there this year if you're mayor and then you go from there and who knows what happens going forward once that once this contract for Bo Levi Mitchell is over and, and where he wants to go with his career at that point, right? So. Well, and one thing that I really appreciate as a fan with the Stampeders organization, and it's something that players will tell you flat out is you know where you stand. So I'm sure that there have been conversations of what they see as a future. As a fan, no, I'm not going to guess how long Bo is going to play. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, as long as he is in a Stampeders uniform, I love <laughs> it. I'm cheering. I'm happy, you know, but 
yeah, I'm excited to see where mayor can go. It, it's, uh, although I will say stamps are great because they find guys that fit into their system. But it's quite obvious for some positions, especially quarterback, that if you're not with a guy that's going to fit your system, you might not have the same success elsewhere. Well, that's one of the questions we got. Uh, we, a- we asked for some questions mm-hmm. on Twitter. And uh, one of the ones we got from our good friend Zach over at the Let's Go Bombers podcast was, uh, why do the Stampeders keep finding studs through scouting? We haven't discovered a QB since dot, 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 I don't know. Um, which well, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks, obviously. But in general, that's the theme you see with the Stampeders every season is great season for Calgary. Everybody else, namely Toronto in recent seasons, takes their players and their coaches. And then it's like, okay, Calgary should regress because they lost half their team, but then they find the diamonds in the rough come training camp. And uh, it takes only a couple of weeks before names we didn't know a thing about before are becoming all-stars in the CFL. So is that just a testament to John Huffnagel and his staff to to find these diamonds in the rough? Or how do they do it? What's the secret sauce? It's 100% start right from the top with Huff. Um, I really shouldn't call him Baby Huff. Um, John Huffnagel's son, Cole, is with the organization. Um, and I want to say Brendan Mahoney is the U.S. scout. Like, they just do a phenomenal job finding guys that will fit the Stampeder way. And they don't go for the big, splashy names now. I've seen a few NFL cut names on our list years. They don't necessarily do anything here. It's the guys who can play that certain way. And I think having such continuity through the organization, they know exactly the kind of guy that they're looking for. And I mean, it's not plug and play quite, but the next man up is, uh, really strong in Calgary because you know a lot of guys will get their NFL opportunities or they'll be poached and get more money elsewhere but it's pretty cool to see how many Stampeders are in the league right now there is there is a lot of them uh, across the board (laughs) um yeah and I think that's part of it too if we talk about how yeah the one and four one and five start to the season here and and I think you know, we've talked about kind of the quarterbacks for a lot of it, but I, one of the kind of themes early in the season, I thought, was that the defense seemed to maybe be struggling a little more for Calgary than we've seen in recent seasons. And I think part of that is just you, you have these diamonds in the rough, but they take some time and some chemistry to get involved in the lineup. And with especially with no preseason games like we've talked yeah. about, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as the season goes along, then we're getting to see them at their full potential there. But the first couple of weeks, there is a lot of turnover. And with no preseason games, that's bound to be, you know, not playing at your top level. Yeah. I've, from a couple seasons now, I've noticed that it generally takes about a half a season for guys to really come into their own. Um, I think Darnell Sankey is a really good example from last year of, he did admirably at the start he did, but there was some hesitation in his movements of where he was going. Um, so he wasn't quite as quick off of the, the snap to get to where the ball was going. And 
you know, but about halfway through, you're like, Ooh, he's a stud. <laughs> he is good. I like this. We have a nice middle linebacker that we can rely on. He's making great tackles. Um, but it does, it does take about half a season for these guys who come up from playing the American game to adapt to the speed, to the size of the field, the pre-snap motion, you know, um, our D line was a little bit of <laughs> rough last year. And when you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, it, you know, give them time. Any quarterback can beat the best DB that there is. Right. Um, the Labor Day rematch, you could really see the D-line click and, you know, work together, work as a unit, um, stop taking some really stupid penalties. Mike Rose, I love you, dude. But, <laughs> and yeah, he, uh, he certainly matured through that season. So you, you, you lose the penalties, you start getting to the quarterback and it makes everyone else's job in the secondary so much easier. So, and, and, and it went on the rest of the season, like, like second yeah. half of the season, like that was stellar defensive play uh, across the board and, and it really turned around the stamp season and, and they end up getting into the playoffs there. Uh, you know, as we get into that middle chunk of the season, that's where it turns into we we ended off that first chunk with that first game against Edmonton, where I think Trevor Harris threw 400 and something yards in that game, which was uncharacteristic given the start to the season for for the Elks even. Um, and so now you're coming out of that one. Bo comes back, I think, for the rematch. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, OK, they're they're one in four to start the season now. Now, if they. You know, Edmonton hasn't had a good start to the year either. Now, if the Stamps lose two straight to Edmonton here, like, like, is this going to start being close to lights out potentially on the season at this point? Um, and like, not, not necessarily quite there yet, but it's looking dire when you're halfway through the season, one win, including, you know, some divisional matchups there. But they turn it around in that rematch, like you mentioned. Uh, they shut Trevor Harris down again, a solid 32-16 win. Uh, Bo doesn't look too bad in his return there, especially given it's only been three weeks since his broken uh, leg. Or uh, or what was it? What was the, uh, what was it? Fractured fibula. Fractured fibula, there we go. It doesn't sound nearly as bad as broken leg. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, still sounds just as bad to me. Sounds painful. But <laughs> yeah, painful. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And then, you know, a a matchup with Hamilton, who I think was also kind of turning the corner after a slow start to the season at that point. They lose a close game to the Ticats there, 23-17. And then we get into the part of the season, which was Calgary and Saskatchewan, three games in four weeks. Um, Man, the CFL schedule is just a quirky one sometimes. You know... It's fun because Saskatchewan had a bye week in their week three of that chunk of four. So Saskatchewan played stamps three times in a row. Like, uh, you know what? There was a season. I'm not complaining. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think I said this uh, on one of the recent uh, episodes we did that if there was ever a year where not a single person complained about the schedule, like put the schedule makers in the hall of fame. Like, (laughs) 
Like there's going to be weirdness in the schedule. You know, last yeah. season, the Bombers and the Red Blacks didn't play at all. I'm still not sure how that happened uh, in a nine-team league, but uh, there were a lot of weird things in the schedule. This was most definitely one of them. Uh, back-to-back games between uh, Saskatchewan and Calgary. Uh, then yeah. another game for Calgary in the middle where they uh, they, they stomp BC 39-10 in that one. Which was uh, really nice to see. Yeah, that was a, that was a big one there, and then and then the final rematch there was Saskatchewan, where uh, really you know uh, that one's week twelve. It's getting into kind of our final block of the season, but I, I feel like you got to kind of loop it in here. Three yeah. games against Saskatchewan, right? And these were three really close games between these two teams. Twenty three seventeen, the Stamps win the first one rematch next week in Saskatchewan. Twenty two nineteen win there. Then the one Saskatchewan takes at the end of it, 20 to 17 there. Like uh, you got the sense as the Bombers were rolling at the start of this, you know, throughout the season as BC kind of was starting to trail off a little bit. Edmonton was a disaster. Um, And so you kind of got the sense, you know, it's Calgary and Saskatchewan in those kind of middle sections, uh, middle two spots here that are going to be jockeying and potentially facing each other in the first round of the playoffs, which they did end up doing. Um, and it was really fun uh, from an outside perspective watching this this rivalry, these three games in four weeks and such close games. You know, I want to say it was the second game. Didn't actually feel as close as it was. Um, it was just one of those games that you're like, no, no, they're going to win this, which might be a stats fan thing. <laughs> I'm not sure. But just that quiet confidence of, the score might be close, but they'll pull this one out. And I just, I just know it. And I mean, thankfully they did, you know, you, you look at it and you try not to do too much of it, but you can't help but start to do some math in your head of, okay, well, we're at what one and five or two and six, and that's not great. And okay, well, if we're going to win this, we probably need a minimum of seven wins eight would make you feel a little bit more comfortable. And you're like, okay, so what do we really need to win? Anyone who said that they were going to win all three rider games was delusional. Yeah. That's in general, <laughs> like you when it beating the same team three times in a row, very uncommon. If the stamps had won the third game, someone should have been losing their job in Saskatchewan <laughs> because they had two games and a bye to prepare for one. So always in the back of my mind thinking like, okay, that one is going to be very hard to win. They probably could have done it. I'm not super surprised that they didn't. That BC game, you're like, okay, these are the stamps I know. This is, this is the team that can come in and just stomp someone. So that one felt really good. Like amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, we're seeing some, cohesion we're seeing the team actually like work and everything that game worked yeah and all of a sudden at that point you know that's three straight wins including a back-to-back with Saskatchewan Mm -hmm. which it's always hard in the CFL to win a home and home series uh I generally you know if I'm picking I'm picking the split when that happens because if we're just playing the same team back-to-back it's hard to win two straight games more often than not it is a split, but kudos to the Stampeders on that one. And then all of a sudden you're, you're looking at, you know, at the start of this middle chunk of the season, that's uh, four wins in five games after starting the season with one win in five games. And I, I think at that point, 
And, you know, if basic math, uh, you know, is correct in my mind, uh, I think we're at a five and five start to the season at this point coming out of that BC game. And uh, Calgary's starting to look, uh, going into the stretch drive, like a, a scary team to face in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, we, we still have the last couple of games of the season to to talk about as well. But I, I know here in Winnipeg where, where you, you've clinched the playoff spot pretty much pretty early and it's okay, who are we going to end up facing? Do we want to face Saskatchewan? Do we want to face Calgary? I would say the general theme from a lot of people here was we want to face Saskatchewan because Calgary is scary as heck. You know, it's people seem to forget quite easily that Dickinson came out and said, give us half a season. It's not going to be pretty, but we'll get there. And he was pretty damn bang on about when the stamps turned it around. Like, you know, I'm sure he would have liked one or two more in the start. He was definitely happy with what they were doing in the middle, um, cleaning up the penalties and, you know, starting to actually get on a roll. If you listen to the coach, he was right on. So, I mean, again, I think it might just be a Calgary thing. You're like, well, of course they're going to start winning, <laughs> which is not fair, I'm sure, to a lot of other fan bases, but you just you just start to expect it. Hey, as a fan base that's recently learned to start winning, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great feeling, like you were saying earlier about that going late into a game uh, and, you know, just expecting to come out with a win. Uh, mm-hmm. Experienced that for the first time this year, and it was a weird, tingly feeling. Don't get too used to it. <laughs> You're not the Stampeders. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I uh, kid. <laughs> of, of the horsemen. Usually that's Ryan's job. Yeah. No, it's always fun to it's always fun to kid and have the good rivalries, and uh, hopefully we get some more good ones this season. But a very good mm-hmm. middle stretch of the season here. Uh, one guy who uh, throughout the season we haven't talked about him yet at all today, but one guy who I thought you know was a very bright shining star for the Stampeders that doesn't get enough praise was Kadeem Carey at running back, who uh, I think most I think most days wasn't necessarily you know burning the stats sheet uh with with over 100 yards rushing week after week but you know solid contribution and pretty much every game this season and ended up i think second in the league in rushing yards this year uh second season in the league i think it was for kadeem carry i think he got some time this season before but wasn't a full starter because don jackson no um he broke he broke his arm or his leg I want to say it was his arm but that was like 2019 and <laughs> fractured fibula <laughs> it actually was a solid terrible break that took him out for the entire or the rest of the season um I want to say it happened I think he got one solid game as a starter and then had a broken bone that took him out for the rest of the year Seems to be a common theme for Stamps running backs, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, no, we had a, well, you know, I don't think it gets talked enough about that Pat Delmonico, um, O-line coach, took over play calling from Dave Dickinson. And that was one thing that we had noted, that they needed to stick with the run more. And I, I think you'll notice if you go through stats of the games and you know, 
if memory serves, and I think it does, but you know, <laughs> a while ago, when they actually had a more balanced run pass game, they were winning, they were doing better. So when we got Kadeem Carey involved more, um, he was very successful. And I'm happy he's back. <laughs> Yeah, and I know I definitely noticed that as well because uh, I was going to say when you think Calgary Sam Peters offense, like you think passing game, but you know you, you, that's discrediting the likes of a John Cornish, you know Jerome Messam when he was there in Calgary, like the fantastic running game they've had there. But I felt like the last couple of years before this, it was more of a pass-heavy team, and you're talking about which seven receivers are catching the ball on any given day uh, because that seems to be how Calgary's offense runs and. Do but they actually need to keep up with the running. Um, and I think with Kadeem Carey, and well, we'll see who his backup is this year. I haven't done a deep dive into the depth chart because you know it's March, (laughs) that's fair. But having Kadeem back uh, is huge, and I think Delmonico being a little bit more comfortable with play calls and uh, you know, a season in will have learned that they need to continue having a more balanced offense. I mean, Bo is still going to pass to seven different guys, but it won't be that they're all getting, you know, 80, 90 yards. It'll be, you have a couple guys at 50 and a couple guys at 200 and a lot of running. Yeah, exactly. And it's great to see the run game get involved there. Cause I think that opens things up so much for your offense when you become fully. I'm not going to lie. When you said a guy that doesn't get enough love, I thought you were going to say Cody Grace. Oh, well, we can talk about him, too. I mean, you did a fantastic job in the punting game uh, over in Calgary. Very consistent throughout the season. One thing, Calgary, we we very much appreciate our kickers and punters. Um, I think it's underrated how much their consistency helps our game. You know, Paredes had a few off games, but as the most consistent kicker in the league... I think he's allowed a couple off games Yeah, as much as it would have given us two more wins. You know, we still love them here, but yeah, uh, the, the global program, um, the only guy that the stamps really wanted to draft was Cody Grace. Um, there's a connection with Dave Dickinson and Grace's um, special team coach in college that the coach came to Dickinson and said, you want this guy. Hmm. And I'm actually really shocked that he's not in the NFL next season. Thrilled, but shocked. <laughs> yeah, fantastic year. Very consistent. And field position means so much in the CFL and can turn the tide of the game. And when you have a guy like Cody Grace able to, uh, you know, be as consistent as he was in that regard. We, we saw across mm-hmm. the league this year, uh, you know, kicking, punting, et cetera. I think that the levels there were, were down a little bit across the league. You know, that was the big theme here in Winnipeg, the kicking game, of course, uh, Hamilton as well uh, this season. When you can have guys like that who are as, you know, surefire as they can be, that, that certainly helps a lot because that's one thing you don't need to regularly worry about uh, with, when it comes to your team. I, you know, with Maver, Rob Maver retiring, the punting game was a big question mark going into camp. And you've got this guy that was a finalist for the top kicker award in the NCAA the year before. So you're like, well, I mean, he's got to be pretty good. But 
NFL and NCAA kicking is very different, especially punting, than the CFL. Let's see what we've got. It was a really nice surprise to see this guy come out. And, I mean, he struggled a little bit with directionality at the start, but he picked that up quick. And when your offense is struggling, it can really give your defense a break. And I think that uh, that actually really helped the team go through the win streak. And, you know, if you're getting field goals and not touchdowns that you get a, a break with your punts and make the other team really work for every point that they're trying to score. Yeah, not enough love for the punters, I say. Give the punters some love, especially guys like Cody Grace on their fantastic season <laughs> there. Uh, as we look at the final couple of games of the regular season, a 26-13 win over Ottawa, a 33-23 win over BC, uh, a weird 13-12 win over Winnipeg in which neither team's really playing their starters for any of it. And uh, I don't even know if Calgary got to the Winnipeg side of that, the field until like six minutes left in the game and uh, then just struck twice and uh, won the game. So uh, that game was cold <laughs> and weird. Like neither team wanted to win that. No. I, it, oh, it was it was not a fun game to be at. <laughs> Yeah, no, even even watching that one from the comfort of my home uh, was was a struggle to get through that one at the end of the season because it's like neither one of these teams want to be here. I think the playoff spots were locked at that point. I think Saskatchewan was getting second, Calgary was getting third. Like it was just kind of like, okay, just nobody get injured and we'll see if we meet in the playoffs here. Um, I feel like someone from Winnipeg really did get injured. I can't remember who it was off the that does sound familiar. Oh, no, I'm no, never mind. I'm thinking of a different game. It's all good. <laughs> so many games in a season, hard to keep track of them all, right? Especially when so, we're three months so past the end ago. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You're a real trooper for uh for making this uh through the through the, the the memory lane here with me three months after the season's ended. Uh you know, the the best part is the baby brain. Uh we recorded one. Uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, Ryan's been busy. We'll get it up sometime. <laughs> and I couldn't remember Milt Stiegel's name. So the fact that I can remember games from last year. You're doing a bang up pretty job. good. Yeah, and we're crushing it here. Um, these final games of the season, I, I don't know if there's too much memorable to, to talk about from these. I, I think, you know, uh, no. Calgary wins two these final three games of the season, but still finishes third in the West there, unfortunately. Uh, they go on a tear, really, to end of the season. Uh, besides that week 12 loss to Saskatchewan, which, again, third game in four weeks, uh, ever since that week seven loss to Hamilton, they won every game from there besides that one against Saskatchewan. So a real flip of the script as the season ended but uh just that slow start to the year not enough to get that home playoff game for calgary and uh it's on the road to yeah. saskatchewan for the playoffs and you know it's interesting because champs seem to really like playing in saskatchewan i think they feed off of the negative energy all of Don't that all. hate for Bo. they seem to love it so i'll be honest i turned that game off <laughs> i did not go back and watch it uh, sometimes I get a little too passionate about my team, 
And I did the, this isn't enjoyable. It's not fun. I'm just going to turn it off and keep, keep the box score open and go, I don't know that I want to watch this. Now, are we, talking, are, are we talking about that game against Saskatchewan back in week 12, or are we talking about the playoff game? Playoffs. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, this was a wild playoff game. Uh, I would put it up there as one of the games of the year in the CFL. Uh, it didn't start out like that, as it was interception, 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 both directions. Uh, Jonathan Moxie with the, uh, the hat trick in the first half for the Stampeders, three picks there, which is nuts. Um, what a, just a, what a weird football game in general. You know, you're coming into halftime, neither starting quarterback for either side is looking remotely good at that point. It's, it's 10, eight Saskatchewan at halftime. Uh, then Calgary ends up taking it to overtime and, and just falling short there in the overtime period, unfortunately. But, uh, a uh, heck of a second half from both sides. Both teams seem to wake up and uh, a fantastic football game, but just coming short in this one for the Stampeders. You know, it, it doesn't happen often. <laughs> that it, that one was a little bit hard to get over, mostly because you know that they could have played better. And it's just the amount of interceptions was insane. <sighs> you know? Sometimes you just don't have it. Yeah. And, you know, four interceptions by Cody Fajardo. He goes on to win the game. Like you're thinking, uh, how, does that ha- how does that happen in the CFL? And then Zach Caleros <laughs> one ups them with, I think, five interceptions the next week or something like that and does the same thing to them. Uh, yeah, just bizarre playoffs this year. All around, hey, like even in the yeah. East, a lot of those Eastern games, you know, Hamilton starting behind, coming out at the end. Uh, or pedal to the metal and go on to win those ones as well. The Grey Cup was a weird one in itself. Um, and, and it was fun to watch. I enjoyed watching all the weirdness, I, I got to say. Uh, some great games, especially as I felt the final couple of games of the regular season kind of, you know, a slow roll to the finish line with a lot of playoff spots clinched and starters resting yeah. and stuff. Uh, it was nice to see a game like this to kick off the playoffs between these two teams. Uh, doesn't go Calgary's way, but a lot of guys playing some great ball here. Uh, one guy that made an impact in the, the playoff game and down the stretch was Reggie Bagleton, who came back to the team uh, in the final couple of weeks of the season. Uh, I think uh, was one of the top receivers in the CFL in 2019, uh, maybe just behind Brandon Banks, I think, uh, but then ended up going off to the NFL, came back, uh, end of the season here, rejoin the Stampeders, and we know now is re-signed for next season as well at an absolute steal of a deal, given the receiver prices around the league with guys like Kenny Waller making 300000 Uh Bagleton supposedly, what, something like one sixty, I think, was, was the price I've heard. Uh, what kind of impact did he make down the stretch? So it's, I, I will say there were two that came back from the NFL that – um definitely made a huge difference trey roberson mm-hmm. all-star db who was signed for two years Ooh. as much as that means in the cfl um and Bagleton coming back and the connection that Bo has with reggie is just phenomenal and he's got the same thing with kamar but the the problem was is we didn't have a star number two 
So you knew that if Bo was in trouble, he'd be going to KJ. Where now they're both on the field. He can go to either of them. There's no way that you can put four guys on two receivers. One of them will be open and Bo will make the throw how he sees it. I mean, I'll never understand that, but having two guys that you know that your quarterback has a great relationship with that has tons of chemistry, um, having Quay, Mark Way McDaniel as their receiver coach, who I've been told is one of the most consistent route runners of the past. I don't know how many years, but the, if he says it's going to be 10 yards, he will be right on the dime 10 yards and Bo can make that exact throw. And he knows how many yards he needs and both KJ and Bagleton run routes like that because they've had such a great example that Bo can rely on them to go exact routes. It's exactly the same every single time. And with two of them, there's no way you can cover both. Yeah. And it's very small sample size to end the season with, uh, I think only three games for Bagleton, yeah. but I think two of them over a hundred yards, the first game he played, he had a bunch of catches in those and that one. It was like, okay, he's not missing a beat here. And you mentioned, you know, four guys trying to cover just Kamar Jordan and Reggie Bagleton. Uh, that might work somewhere where those are the only two receivers on the team. But when Calgary throws the ball to five different other guys in a game, it doesn't sound like a very good game plan to me, but uh, so nice pickup at the end of the season. And uh, it, uh, for both of the guys you mentioned, ability to bring them back, you know, especially after a stint in the NFL to come back to the same team you were with one assigned in Roberson's case for a two year deal there. It's great to see uh, players, you know, uh, rightfully so, you know, if, if you're a good player, you want, you want your shot at the NFL. I totally get that from players and I always wish them the best when they go down South. But I am always overjoyed to see as well when they come back and especially cases like this where they like where they played and they want to go back to the same place. You know, you're never getting the most money in Calgary. Um, well, no, it's not even Bo because Riley was technically always getting paid more. Right. Close, close. But you're never the top paid guy in Calgary. So the fact that they want to come back, the fact that they both said that Calgary, like Trey Roberson moved here and might have moved back here already. I'm not quite sure. Guys need to use their social media more so that I can learn more. <laughs> <laughs> but that they both said that Calgary felt like home and they liked the locker room. They liked the city. They like the team, the management. It's, it's really comforting as a fan to know that guys really enjoy playing here and we'll take 160 over trying to get 300, even though I think Begleton is the best receiver in the CFL. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can see that. I'm not going to argue against I'm that. I'm thrilled that he wasn't holding out for the 250, 260, 300. I still don't understand 300, but <laughs> I don't think anyone does. Uh, and honestly, until he plays a game in an Elks uniform, I don't trust it. I don't trust Chris Jones, but good on you to have <laughs> 300 on a piece of paper. I was going to say, I don't even know if Chris Jones understands 300,000, but uh, he signed the contract. And if you're Kenny Waller, you're taking the bank for that, for sure. Uh, if you're if you're planning to you know go out, make your money, 
you're going to take as much money as they're willing to give you. But uh, it's cool to see, like you said, some guys like Bagleton, who I agree is, uh, in my opinion, one of, if not the top receiver in the CFL, uh, to see him stick around there with Calgary. Because uh, we do see it, you know, as we we quickly talk a couple minutes on some off-season stuff here, uh, the, the theme we get, we often see a lot of guys re-up in Calgary, but then also Calgary not have the ability financially a lot of the times to keep all of their players because they've been so good and they the players want raises and things like that. And they try to go to the NFL or Toronto takes them or uh, something of the like. Um, so far this offseason, you know, pretty quiet in terms of new additions for the Stampeders. They, they did make the trade with Toronto, uh, sent Roy Met, Royce Mechie that way, got Cameron Judge back. Uh, in I'm not return. sure how I feel about that one yet. It cuts a little deep. Yeah, that one's going to, we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. DJ Lalama coming in at linebacker, uh, Jordan Williams Lambert, an addition at wide receiver, but they do lose the likes of Marky Thambles, Herjie Mayala at that position. So we'll see how things uh, trend there. Uh, Ellie Buka, defensive back, played with Saskatchewan last year. Those are kind of all the guys that have, have come into Calgary so far this offseason. A number of guys that are going to be uh, heading to other teams. Uh, you know, I mentioned the wide receivers. Uh, offensive line, I think there there's a number of uh, key guys there. Um, the second that uh, Derek Dennis signed with Calgary, I knew that UCAM was out. Unfortunately, I really like UCAM. Um, I think they're committed to Canadian at center and UCAM had some injury issues. So I don't blame them for going with Derek Dennis over Ucombre Williams, but uh, that one was a little hard. Mm. He was, he was a really good player for us for a number of years, but the rest of the O-line signed up for two. So and hey, third time's a charm for Derek Dennis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one guy I guess I, uh, I did not have on the additions list in front of me here was Dennis uh, because he was kind of a free agent, I guess, but not really. The whole weird situation with Edmonton last season, they wouldn't let him go. Uh, I'm, know, happy, I'm happy to see him back in the CFL. I'm a, I'm a bit surprised, to be honest, that he's back. Um I think, I don't know if he's come out and said this, but he really should have pulled a lemon, gone to camp, done nothing, and been released within training camp, and then he would have been back in Calgary last season. But, hmm. you know, live and learn. Yeah. But uh, I guess at least Chris Jones knew that he wasn't going to be playing for him because that went super well the first time. Yeah, exactly. So... So. You know, I'm glad Chris Jones released him. Um, I'm not surprised that Sunderland didn't. I wouldn't have. Why well, help the competition, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird situation. Uh, it was. But, but back in Calgary, yet again, yep. is Derek Dennis. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, a number of guys, Darnell Sankey, we talked about him earlier. He's going over to Saskatchewan, uh, led the league in tackles last season, defensive back. Uh, Deshaun Amos, Richard Leonard, Royce Mechie, Jamar Wall, a number of big names there uh, that, uh, you know, as of right now, most of them, I don't think unless I haven't updated this list, Jamar Wall has signed anywhere else at this point, but also has not re-signed with Calgary. No, and will not be re-signing. Um, with the Stampeders. Yeah, no, he's, um, 
unless he's changed his stance, will not be in the CFL next year. So mm. it's kind of forced retirement on himself. Right. Yeah. So a number of big pieces, uh, potentially big yeah. pieces there on the defense side of the ball. But the, the overarching but, theme with the Stampeders is, okay, we're going to come learn if some guys come training camp. And then when we do this again next offseason, we're going to talk about where those guys are going. Well, and I mean, so there was only going to be either Thurman or Sankey. There was no way to keep both. I am thrilled that they went with Thurman. Um, he is in my eyes, like a Charleston Hughes in that the guy who plays opposite him now D line, obviously it's the other defensive end is going to be incredible. I think we see Thurman in at the Mike position this year, but the guy that he plays with excels. So he had Singleton (laughs) who is doing really well for himself yeah he's doing okay i guess right (laughs) um nick holly was rookie of the year unfortunate situation but you know he was at the time rookie of the year sankey comes in and has the most tackles in the leads the league in tackles so if i very much see it as the guy who plays by thurman so i would expect cam judge to have a fantastic year (laughs) because that's who will be playing next to him um, Mechie Hurt, he was, you know, a phenomenal Canadian safety, phenomenal safety, who is also Canadian, but you never blame a guy for wanting to go play closer to home. Right. Um, Herdy Mayala, I don't think we used him to his full potential. And contract year, and you've got a guy coming up like um, Luther Hakanavanu. Love the name. Top, top tier name in the CFL. I love it. I think he's got a lot of potential, so he should be a really good one to watch this year. And of course, he's still on a rookie deal, so cheaper, which might have actually been why we were able to afford uh, Jordan Williams Lambert, who I'm not quite sure where he's going to line up on the field, but good depth. Yeah, it's looking good at wide receiver, right? Bagleton's back, Jordan's back, Sandani's back, Hunchak re-signed mm-hmm. as well. You mentioned some of those other uh, depth pieces there as well. So should be, uh, you know, a stacked group there at receiver again. Kadeem Carey back for another season Yay. at running back, which is a big piece there. And, uh, you know, for all of the guys that we talk about leaving in Calgary, there's always one there that's uh, another key piece that's been locked up. And that's the John Huffnagel way every offseason. Lock up as many key pieces as you can. Then don't make a big splash in free agency and come training camp and come the draft. Uh, or both drafts, global draft. We mentioned Cody Grace earlier uh, yeah. is where where this team really shines. So we'll we'll see where they go uh, throughout the rest of the offseason, what other tinkering they uh, make from there. But uh, is there any position as we move along to the rest of the offseason that are any holes or any spots in particular you're hoping the Stampeders focus on addressing? So um, it's going to be... It's going to be that diamond in the rough, but the secondary is still a bit of a question mark. Um, Dozier's back, so we have one half. Roberson will be back, so we've got a corner. Moxie will probably be the other corner. Raheem Wilson, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Wilson because I think Moxie's going to be locked into that corner position, but I think Raheem can come in and 
he might be that replacement Sam might be a half. I'm not quite sure. Um, we'll see if Buka can lock in as a starting safety. I, that is quite the question mark in my head right now, but I don't know that there's a piece that they could add that's already in the league that would fill any of those holes, but Deshaun Amos, Raheem Wilson, Jonathan Moxie came in, got thrown into positions, started right away and have done really well. So I'm sure there is a guy who signed that I don't know his name yet that I will very soon. (laughs) Very, very true. Very true. Uh, Just as we get ready to wrap things up here, uh, another Twitter question we had also from Zach from the Let's Go Bombers podcast. Uh, What does Steph think of Bo Levi Mitchell? Is he back? I I think we've kind of answered this one throughout the show, right? Is that uh, you know, whenever Bo, Bo, Bo is going to be the starting quarterback and when Bo Levi Mitchell's on the field, he has the chance to win. You always have the chance to win. Is it fair? So my perception is Bo might not be at the same level that we have seen him for throughout the, you know, his career. It seems the last due to his injuries, a large part of it, the past mm-hmm. couple of seasons, taken a step, bit of a step back, uh, but still a very, very capable starting quarterback that can lead a team. You know, I'm going to pay total cheesy. I'm, I am a bow lever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, I think he can still be very effective, even if he isn't at quite the level that he was, if he stops trying to force it. Hmm. He tries to make that really hard throw. And if he chooses the easier option, which, you know, as I am armchair head coach going, take the easy just like just get us 10 yards you don't need to do the over the top you don't need to do the crazy play you just need to walk down the field and I think if he can stop trying to force it as much as he was I think because he wanted to be back at that level so bad and just wasn't quite there that I think if he can relax a little bit and stop trying to force as much I think we'll be fine and I think he'll have a very successful season and if he doesn't this season, I think it might be over. I really hope not, but I think this one is the pivotal season. Yeah, contract year for him as well, I believe, after restructuring that mm-hmm. contract. Uh, as we talked about earlier, both Bo Levi Mitchell and Jake Mayer uh, re-signed uh, for this season. So we'll, we'll see how things play out there. I agree. I think Bo gets the start and hopefully a healthy season for him and I want to see him bounce back and play at the level we've seen him throughout his career there in Calgary. Always rooting for guys to finish up their careers with with strong seasons as we get into, you know, is this the last, second, last, third, last? We don't know for Bo Levi Mitchell how many more years he'll play. So let's enjoy it while we can. I will say I 100% believe that if Bo is in this league, he will be in a Stampeders uniform. Hmm. So you Saskatchewan people? Go away. He's not coming. Uh, he made that decision. Loves, Saskatchewan loves anytime, right? Uh, they did it with Andrew Harris here as well. Uh, of course, going to Toronto. Who saw that coming? But, but Yeah, I mean, they do love to stir the pot. Yeah, it makes the league fun. <laughs> it does. Yeah, this makes the offseason seem a little bit shorter. Yeah, there we go. Hey, at this point, we're only, uh, uh, it's the start of March now. So uh, May is, I believe, when the preseason games kick off. So 
uh, we're getting there. And by the time we finish this off-season deep dive series, we'll be ready to start diving deep into the next season and our preseason previews here on the podcast. Uh, so overall, to wrap up the stamp season, you know, uh, they, they squeak into the third place in the West Division, make it into the playoffs. They're losing the first round. Not the result necessarily Stamps fans are used to, but hey, they make the playoffs once again in Calgary. And, you know, coming into next season, Calgary is always going to be a good team. So uh, it's a brand new season, and I think the sky's the limit for them. Yeah, there's there's lots of good things to look forward to. They've done, I think they did what they needed to do this offseason. Got guys locked up for two years, most of them. And uh, I'm excited for what's going to come. Right on. Well, Steph, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the podcast this evening. It's been an absolute blast going through everything Stampeders uh, together with you here. Yeah, before we uh, I wrap up the show here, uh, where can people find your podcast uh, and anything else you've got going on? So the podcast is on all of your streaming platforms, CFL Horseman. I'm not great at it, but we also have our Twitter and Instagram and sometimes Facebook, mostly Twitter. That's where you'll find me retweeting Stamps News at CFL underscore Horseman. I'm pretty sure. I think that's it yeah i should know our social media <laughs> but you know i think that's it yeah yeah about underscore horseman i did know it there we go perfect right on right on make sure you check out the uh the horseman radio podcast make sure you check out all the other great podcasts from around the canadian football podcast network as well you can find all of those at cf pod network uh, as I mentioned off the top of the show, we'll have another episode coming out in a couple of days here as well. We'll be uh, talking everything Ottawa Red Blacks with Rod Gomez from the Wood Cookie Sawcast. Uh, that should be a fun discussion as well. I think a bit of a bit different discussion than the yeah. Calgary discussion in terms <laughs> of uh, our chat about the 2021 season might be five minutes and then we bury it in history and talk about every move they've made in the offseason. We'll see where that one goes. Uh, though as well that one should be out uh, I believe on Friday uh, hopefully unless uh, things change with my work schedule but we will see on that so look forward to that episode as well Uh, you can find our podcast well you found it already on whichever podcast platform you're listening to so great job Uh, you can find it on pretty much any of them and uh, we'd appreciate if you do all the fun things that help grow the show like comment subscribe rate review all those other fun things whatever the label is click it um you can find us on twitter as well uh oh boy what is our handle at cf countdown pod we we changed it a couple of weeks ago so that took me a bit uh you can find us there at cf countdown pod you can find us on facebook as well uh the canadian football countdown there find myself on twitter at cooper trooper 42 starts with a k in case you uh, don't get that from how it sounds like a lot of people don't with my last name um and uh if you want to check out uh, more cfl content as well you can also check out the canadian football fantasy fix over on youtube it's a weekly show i run during the season on everything cfl fantasy off-season content's been a little slower but uh we'll be picking that up as well along the way and uh yeah continue listening here to the podcast uh the horseman radio podcast and all the other shows around the Canadian Football Podcast Network all off-season long. Two more months till CFL football is back, and we cannot wait. Uh, that is it for this week. Uh, thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.